This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back here to Hoover, Alabama. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martino here on the road. Kind of cool to be on the road doing the show, to be honest with you. But it comes with its challenges. On the back of the pickup truck, it's 95-plus. Everything overheated the last segment, so... Uh, that's why Action Sports Jacks Austin Lane is back in the studio just in case uh, here on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I want to continue to remind you about Carathon 2020 uh, presented by Duval Asphalt. And also you can jump in and we're challenging you to participate in some way, shape or form if you can. ESPN 690.com is the place to go if you want to check out the silent auction items. Those are always fun. Uh, you can also text the word forever, just forever to 41444 and make a donation of any kind and we would appreciate it uh, childcancerfund.org as well so join us in the fight against cancer and uh, this mission we have uh, this week uh, with all of our radio stations here at Cox Media Group and uh, led by Rich Jones uh, over at 104.5 WOKV uh, and of course uh, for all the kids and the families here in the Jacksonville area uh, battling cancer. That's how you can uh, be involved and get involved. We appreciate it if you're able to do so. Brent Morton, Austin Lane on a Tuesday and the money is, is uh, being passed out here today in the NFL. Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs gets a big deal. The uh, defensive tackle for the Chiefs who has become a star and a big part of that defense. Four-year, $80 million deal. Miles Garrett uh, reportedly on a five-year, $125 million deal given everything that happened with Miles Garrett last year in the Cleveland, uh, I'm sorry, in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, the fact that he's rewarded months later with a big-time deal shows you what kind of player he is and what they think of the uh, former overall number one pick. How does that relate to the Dak Prescotts, the Yannick Ngakwes, uh, even the Jadavion Clowney's? Uh, not that Clowney's being tagged, but he's also out there in free agency. you got to believe it's a big day for defensive ends, a big win for pass rushers, considering Jones on the defensive line, but more importantly, Miles Garrett's uh, big contract. The tag situation in general is interesting. A lot of outside linebackers or linebackers by title that rush the passer, Barrett over there in Tampa is, is really the poster child for this, had all the sacks last year, but listed as a linebacker, and signs a franchise tag that has him at a linebacker. Well, there's a big push within the NFL to be able to include them as defensive ends, pass rushers. Why? Yeah. Because the franchise tag number is higher. The salary rate is higher. How do you feel about that, Austin, uh, about this, the positions that kind of meld together sometimes? Uh, what can the NFL do about it, if anything? Yeah, so to me, what you can do, and it's a great point here, is that, listen, since there's been 3-4 defenses and 4-3 defenses, the designation of a defensive end or, or an outside linebacker or an edge rusher, it kind of gets convoluted and it gets all mixed up. So what I would do is, instead of saying defensive ends um, you know, or, or edge rushers, I would just say, listen, if you're an outside linebacker, or if you're a defensive end in a 4-3, you're an edge rusher. Because that's what, I mean, essentially that's what you're getting paid to do, right? Like, yeah, you can stop the run, play defensive end, play base, all that stuff. But you're an edge rusher, okay? So you designate it like that. And then in terms of everybody else, you just call them defensive linemen. So, for instance, like an Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox. 
they're considered defensive linemen. I'm talking about now Yannick Ngakwe. I'm talking about obviously uh, you know Miles Garrett. Now we're talking about um, T.J. Watt going forward eventually. Here they're considered edge rushers. To me, that, that kind of you know it kind of I guess releases someone just like oh well what is he where is he falling what kind of category is he falling? You got your defensive linemen and you got your edge rushers and that's all you should have. Yeah, here's the thing I wonder about. I, I like what you're saying. You're probably right. It kind of will be more definitive. But if you reach a certain sack total, should you be rewarded like the sackers of the NFL? Uh, And I think that's what it's been the argument, by the way, for even a Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's deal, I think, kind of uh, it didn't it didn't really put him in wide receiver company, but it, it certainly put him in his own little category, I thought, this recent deal, yeah. taking into account how much of the offense he was, how much he catches the ball out of the backfield and totes the rock. So I think, based on performance, I just don't know what the cutoff would be. So is it better to designate the way you're saying, based on defense, based on scheme, based on lineman versus edge rusher, uh, as we see these hybrid of positions take place in the NFL, or is it better just to do it off production? And where I would catch my own self in that is I wonder if there should be certain designations for now a slot corner, the nickel corner in the NFL, and that guy is not going to get, most of the time, big statistical numbers, right? He's going to do the dirty job. And he might have tackles, but he's probably not going to have a whole lot of interceptions. I don't think that's the way that position uh, it gets gets utilized. I think you're talking the traditional corner that will get more interceptions mm-hmm. and therefore maybe boost his value. But I feel like kind of what Barrett's saying, kind of maybe even the way what McCaffrey and others over the years have said about that running back wide receiver position, I feel like uh, the slot corner gets left out maybe in these kind of discussions, but also even in the Pro Bowl discussion. Like, I think there should be a designated Pro Bowl slot for the nickel corner. It is that prevalent in the game today. I think it's the most overlooked position maybe in the league. Yeah, so first of all, I want to touch on what you said about do you think that, um, you know, edge rushers should get paid more on just their position or more of production? And... You know, I think that there's a caveat when you say they should get paid due to the production. When we talk about production, obviously it's sex. Because if you want to apply that to the cornerback position, well, you got to say, well, how many interceptions does he have? You know, and like one would say, well, Marcus Peters is always kind of the guy that has a lot of interceptions because he takes the most risks. But is Marcus Peters the best cornerback in the league? Definitely not. Same thing for the edge rushers, where, you know, I think last year was a Garrett. I'm sorry, not Garrett. Who was the guy from uh, Shaq Barrett from Tampa? Was a, Yeah, exactly. Now, is he a great edge rusher? You better believe it. But am I going to put him top three? Do I put him above Khalil Mack going into the season? Do I put him even above Von Miller? I don't know. So with that being said, there's the caveat where it's like, well, are these guys getting double teamed? Um, you know, are, are, are they running the plays away from that pass rusher? So with that being said, I want to see it more focused on actually the position as opposed to the productivity, because just sometimes you can't control the productivity. So that your second point then with the, the, the cornerback position in the nickel corner, I do agree with you there. 
Okay, I think that it has become its own position. Um, you ask a nickel corner to do a lot different things than a regular corner would do. Obviously, you're taking on the slot receiver. He's off the line. It requires a certain set of skills to be that successful, right? I mean, there's there's some great nickel corners out there, but you put them obviously on a one receiver on the outside, and they struggle, and vice versa. Where if you take a wide receiver on the outside with a corner, you put that corner on the inside, and then he struggles. So I do think now the way the NFL is with teams in, the, in their packages trying to defend the pass all the time, being a pass-happy league, I think there is a big importance to that nickel corner, and they should be celebrated for it. Yeah, and I'm, again, I take it a step further, not only talking about franchise tag and, and salary levels. Uh, that will figure itself out, although I think the, it's part of the discussion. Uh, I just feel like some of these slot guys, they'll never get – I shouldn't say never, but very few times will get considered for Pro Bowl or even postseason accolades. And it's become part of the trade, man. It's become part of the position. And, uh, you know, in doing so, they've become so valuable on some teams. I think even here in Jacksonville, we've seen some good ones and, and productive ones with Aaron Colvin and now DJ Hayden. Uh, but they've also made in some defenses that third linebacker pretty indispensable, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the way the defenses are shifting now, right? I mean, to me, that's why Jamal Adams is asking for so much money. You know, that's why if the, the Jets do trade him, if they re-sign him to a new deal, he's going to be the highest paid safety in probably NFL history. Just because, yes, he is a safety, but he's also a box safety. He comes down on the line and stops the run. So it's almost like you're paying a hybrid linebacker at the same time, right? So not only are you getting a safety, but you're getting a linebacker with linebacker capabilities. So when you talk about, like, the quote-unquote nickel corner once again it's all about you know them doing kind of uh, more than just covering the slot receiver they do a bunch of things whether it's zone coverage or man coverage and in and, and, and doing so they should be compensated like that as well yeah we'll see if it does uh, take place i'm not sure it's going to move anywhere man <laughs> i don't know uh, especially with like a new cba already done uh, I don't know if there'll be momentum for it. I like the the thought of it. I just don't know if we'll we'll get that designation um, or or how they'll go about being able to fix that at some point. Uh, but the value is certainly there. The 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 linebacker hybrid into the pass rusher, uh, the the corner and nickel corner uh, differences because it seems like it's a totally different game. And now Christian McCaffrey is certainly making that blend of of running back and wide receiver. And the fact that McCaffrey has worked in that sense, will we see more of it? Will we, you know, we have seen it, first of all, right? Marshall Falk. Yeah. It comes to mind. But isn't McCaffrey, in a sense, the new Marshall Falk? I mean, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to, to me, it's either between it's probably Saquon Barkley, Chris McCaffrey. Obviously, Chris McCaffrey, I think, is the more complete running back right now. He's had more success. Saquon Barkley playing in New York hasn't had a lot of help around him, you know, his first couple years here. Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, when you pay a running back that much money, I get it. Like, history shows that it doesn't necessarily work out, especially in the modern era NFL of now. But at the same time, when, you know, probably 80% of your plays goes through Christian McCaffrey, you have to pay that guy. You, you just have to. And, and he's earned every one of those dollars he's about to make here. So 
I agree with you where he's kind of like that Marshall Falk status right now. I guess the major question comes, though, is can they have sustained success with that kind of philosophy, right? When you run your entire offense through one guy and you pay him accordingly, and which is great, but can you actually have success just keeping on one guy? Time will tell. Yeah, and I don't know if I would want that. I would. You know, here, here's the thing. I want Christian McCaffrey on my team. I just don't know if I want him to touch the ball as much as they have him touch the ball. Yeah. Can you have both? No, I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, obviously injuries could be a concern, and he's, he's proven to be very durable so far in his career. But it's just from a game-planning perspective right now, Brad, and listen, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next four or five years here with the Carolina Panthers. But I'm just saying where they sit right now, if I'm a defensive coordinator, you know, and, I, and I'm running my meeting right now, and in the very first day of game prep, we have to plan for the game breakers, the only guy I'm planning for is Christian McCaffrey. Yep. The, the only thing I'm going to say is, all hey, right, guys, well, here he is. Here's, a, here's our game wreckers or game wrecker, not plural, because this is all they have. If we stop him, we stop the Carolina Panthers, we win the game. So obviously your focus is going to be on stopping Christian McCaffrey. Now, on other teams, you know, like when you have like the Saints, you have Alvin Kamara, um, you have to stop other guys as well. So the, the problem right now with the Carolina Panthers sit with Christian McCaffrey is just he is their team. And once again, he got paid like that. But at the same time, is it going to be their detriment going forward? We'll see what kind of weapons they surround with him. Another question I have, though, Brent, and it's another question that's going to probably be raised here in the next two or three years or so, is the tight end position. Right, we saw Austin Hooper make you know a record-breaking tight end deal. Well, now we have Travis Kelsey coming up. George Kittle's already said he doesn't want to get paid like a tight end; he wants to get paid like a wide receiver. Zach Ertz will be due for new contract. Do you see? Do you think they're going to see a, a giant uptick right now in how the market is going to be set for the tight end position? I think we'll get a notch of an uptick, but I also think people will say we can replace that. You know. I don't think they're going to go all in on it. And I don't know if I agree with them, by the way. I'm just saying I think people are going to say we can find more of that. You can't find (laughs) quarterbacks, right? Sure. But I think they're going to say now they're looking at – I mean, look, here's why, okay? Because these guys weren't like top 15 picks. Now, there have been some higher picks that have done well, but Kittle is, what, a six-round guy? Yeah. Is he something like that? They're going to look at that. This is the way they think, man, whether you like it or not. They're going to look at that and they're going to say, well, we can find a guy in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round like that then. I mean, <sighs> they did. We can. Yeah. I, I just think that's the, I think that's what they're going to do. And because of that, they'll say we can replace it. We can find it. There are more playing the tight end. Uh, there's even a couple. I mean, heck, Florida's got Kyle Pitts coming up this year. He's going to sure. be probably a first-round pick, but a lot of people like him. Uh, so I that that's my opinion on it right now. I know what you're saying. I think the lean is, well, yeah, you got to take care of those guys. They're superstar guys, Kelsey, Ertz, uh, Kittle, the rest of them. But I also think where they were drafted and their production, and especially most of those guys, we've done this exercise before, they don't have super early production. So yeah. I think they're going to say we can find these guys and 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 complement the position or supplement the position. See, and I absolutely, I wholeheartedly disagree with you here because here's my point. Obviously, having a, a bona fide, legit tier one tight end, it's rare. And when you have that, whether you have Travis Kelsey, whether you have Zach Ertz, whether you have Mark Andrews or George Kittle, 
to me, those are probably the top four tight ends right now in the league. Spoiler alert, they also have probably had some of the best offenses in the league last year because they are that dynamic kind of playmaker. So with that being said, it, it's a rarity, man, all right? Sometimes we draft tight ends in the first round. Sometimes it's the second round. Sometimes they don't pan out. So I just feel like it's so rare to have that legit tight end that's your go-to kind of receiver type that once you find him, you can't let him go because it is that rare. Now, yeah, sure, there are kind of like the Hunter Henrys of the world, the Evan Ingrams of the world. Even Darren Waller last year for the Raiders had a fantastic season. And to be fair, they can be game changers in their own right. But I'm talking about those tier one type of guys. Those, you know, you have to game plan for these guys every single week. They're few and far between as opposed to the wide receiver position where I can give you 10 names off the top of my head that are good wide receivers that can be game wreckers. The tight end position is just a little more rare in my opinion. Yeah, listen, I would love to see the investment, by the way, by the Jags and the tight I believe in it. Like, I, I, I'm just saying, I don't know if everybody will follow suit like that. Yeah. Uh, there are positions that you have to super invest in, and I just don't. Where does that fall on the line, man? I mean, you got quarterback. You've got pass rusher. You have cornerback. You have left tackle. Yeah. Heck, you might even have people say, now right tackle, wide receiver, and even running back before you would say tight end. Um. Yeah, but, you know, and I agree with you there. I mean, I think, you know, you can kind of make an argument for does tight end kind of fit around the right tackle spot or even wide receiver spot. My only point is the way the NFL is going right now, and obviously take the Tennessee Titans out of it because they're kind of the throwback team. But the way the NFL is going, it's spread offenses, it's getting the quarterback involved, it's spreading the ball around, and it's finding the mismatches, right? Whether it's putting your one receiver in the slot, kind of like Tyree Kill, whether it's putting that tight end all around when you we have an athletic guy that can do that, it's all about the mismatches. And one of the biggest mismatches in all of football is when Travis Kelsey can line up at the one receiver spot where he can go in motion, line up in the backfield, or when Mark Andrews can do the same thing, George Kittle-like. To me, that's the biggest mismatch in football is when you have a big tight end who a safety just can't cover and a linebacker is not skilled enough with his footwork to cover. To me, that's the mismatch. To me, that's what you want to exploit. And if you're trying to exploit that, obviously you need a tight end to do that. All right, hey, I just put something out on social media, and I want your opinion. This this conversation sparked uh, something different for me. Who would you say is more surprising in their NFL path. They just both got rewarded with hefty contracts, obviously. Uh, Mahomes is astronomical. But would you say Mahomes is the more of a surprise in the production that he's been able to have as quickly as been able to have it with an MVP and now a Super Bowl in three years? And by the way, year one almost didn't count because he hardly played. Or... Christian McCaffrey with the kind of production he's been able to illustrate year in, year out, getting drafted in the top 10. But let's be honest, I think when he got drafted, I think it was eighth overall by the Panthers. I don't think that was a slam dunk pick. I think that was, hmm, what are they doing? And I also think Mahomes, by the way, in hindsight, is a slam dunk pick, but it wasn't at the time. It was a little bit, hmm, what's Kansas City doing? Why are they sliding up to do that? Mm -hmm. So I give you those two guys, and who are you more surprised with the production and career path uh, through the first few years of their career? First of all, are you bleeding right now? Because that was the loudest scratch I've ever heard in my entire life. Are you okay? There was a scratch? Yeah, there was a scratching sound. Kuz, can you confirm the scratching sound that we just heard? Was that not from Brent's side? It sounded like you were, like, scratching your face or something, yeah. Okay. I don't think I did anything. Maybe not. Then Kuz, then you're pushing buttons again. Anyways, uh, who am I more surprised right now with the career path? See, to me, it comes down to... 
Patrick Mahomes, I understand everyone's surprised that just this guy came from Texas Tech, kind of had some 500 college teams, um, but Andy Reid loved him. You know, and, and when I interviewed Andy Reid at the Super Bowl, he even said that he liked Deshaun Watson, but he loved Patrick Mahomes. So while maybe some of the experts out there, some of the draft experts were saying, yeah, this Patrick Mahomes guy, why did they train up to get him? I think Andy Reid knew in the back of his head this guy was going to be special. And when you saw some of the highlight stuff from, from college, you're like, all right, this guy could be decent. With Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, at least, and, and maybe I'm in like the minority here, I always envisioned Christian McCaffrey to be a third down back and nothing more. I get it. Back when he was in college at Stanford, the guy was an absolute game changer, right? You could put him anywhere. He had the athleticism. He's got the pedigree from his dad. He seemed like a bona fide kind of player. But at the same time, let's be honest, maybe a little undersized. You know, there was concerns. Could he handle a full workload? Could he be a three-down back? I didn't really think so. So with that being said, I'm more surprised than Christian McCaffrey because he's essentially, you know, turned into a position that I thought he couldn't do, being that three-down back, running between the tackles, running inside of the tackles, and obviously being that receiver threat. I didn't envision that for Christian McCaffrey. I knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be a quarterback in Andy Reid's system for a long time. Yeah, it's interesting. I would say McCaffrey, too, uh, although I say that with pause because I can't sit here and say I saw this from Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I think we'd be fooling ourselves to say we saw that because people would have been clamoring back then for him to be a top five pick as a quarterback, even if you thought half of this would happen. He would have shoved up the board in a major way, and he didn't. Uh, Deshaun Watson was more the favorite uh, on the quarterback front who slipped a little bit, and people were like, well, you passed on him. That could be a big mistake, and even there was some debate over him. And that's why I left Watson a little bit out of the conversation because I do think there were some people that thought he was going to be super special. I don't really think the public, the draft nicks, the, the experts, the everybody kind of thought this way. Uh, slam dunk about uh, McCaffrey or – uh, Mahomes, I, I think Watson, they kind of there was probably more prevailing opinion that Watson could be special based on what he had done in college. Well, no, for sure. But my point is, like, listen, I guess more of this comes from, I guess, my faith in Andy Reid. I mean, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not really too familiar with all that kind of stuff. But the fact that Andy Reid took it upon himself to trade up for Patrick Mahomes and Andy, Andy Reid obviously getting great quarterback play out of Diamond McNabb. You know, he's kind of the quarterback whisperer, if you will. And keep in mind, the Chiefs still had Alex Smith. Now, some people want to call him a game manager, but he's put up some pretty good numbers. So I guess when you put all that criteria into the pot and you say, well, Andy Reid traded up to get his guy, I guess maybe in the back of my mind I always assumed, well, will Patrick Mahomes be an all-pro or an MVP? I don't know about that. Probably not. But I just assume that there was a plan in place for Patrick Mahomes because of how much Andy Reid liked him. All right. uh, We're going to take a break. Uh, One more to go here on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I want to remind you about 2020 Carathon. You can be a part of it. Childcancerfund.org. Go to ESPN690.com and you can get all the information. You can also uh, bid on some silent auction items. We've got some great items up there uh, to help the kids and the families battling cancer here in Northeast Florida. The simplest way to do it, I did it this morning on behalf of our show and made a donation and would love for you to do the same. Just text the word FOREVER to the number 41444. Simple as that. Uh, Carathon 2020 continues, uh, presented by uh, Duval Asphalt. Uh, We appreciate their support as well. When we come back, 
A guy that we haven't brought up today a lot, even though the deadline looms, is Derrick Henry. Where does he fit in all this? Should the Titans do something long-term with Henry? Also, where does Maurice Jones-Drew rank Derrick in his running back rankings? Where's Leonard Fournette on the list? We'll get to it next on ESPN 690. I'm the last one remaining at the ballpark. I'm waiting for them to kick me out. Game is over. Has been for about 45 minutes here in uh, Hoover, Alabama. Actually a little south of Birmingham right now. I had to drive a little bit for this one. Good guys got the W, though. little run rule win. And uh, nine to nothing, five and one so far this week. Austin Lane back nice. in the Action Sports Jack studio. So uh, we'll see. It's all about uh, one more game tomorrow, and then if we win, I think we'll make it to the bracket play on Thursday, uh, where the top 24 teams out of 110 uh, will make it. So more baseball, that would be fine. It's the last tournament uh, that that I'll get to see, and uh, I'll miss it. I how, love watching some ball. How did Ty do today? He got that. He got popped out the third, and then uh, the hit. Although somewhere along the way, and like I looked down and he got thrown out at third, and I don't know how that all happened. Hmm. So he'll he'll be lucky because we stressed the little things at base running, and so I don't know if that was a good gamble, bad gamble, yeah. whatever he decided to do. And I'll have to rely on Steph to tell me. Okay. Um, and I don't always like to do that. So, uh, <laughs> and Ty. See, I have like a 24-hour rule with Ty, or I should say he has a 24-hour rule with me. Like, he won't say, like, I'll ask him about it, and he'll be like, he'll like hold his hands up, or or he'll do something like, he won't say anything. He'll just be like, yeah, whatever, you know? Sure. But then sometime tomorrow, he'll mention the play. Like, 24 hours late, he's got like his own 24-hour rule. He doesn't (laughs) talk to me about anything. Like, he could go three for three and shut somebody out. And he can, hey, nice job, Ty. Hey, what do you think about the... Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. But tomorrow, all of a sudden, like, we'll be eating breakfast. I'll be having coffee, whatever it might be. And he'll be like, yeah, Dad, you see, like, the third inning, like, that kid that came up, like, I threw him that low and outside pitch, or this is why I went to third. I thought I had, you know, it, the conversation will come up. He's got his own little 24-hour rule. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand him sometimes. But that's just the way it is. Sometimes you have to learn to let those things go, Brent. But I, I, I appreciate it, though. I appreciate the fact that, you know, he's obviously a gamer and, and he thinks about the plays in his head over and over again. I mean, I'd rather have that than a kid that's just nonchalant and has, like, a nihilistic attitude where it's like, yeah, whatever, I'm just happy to be here. Winners always go back and forth in their mind, Brent, and play mental gymnastics. And by the sound of it, Ty is trying to be a winner. Oh, he he plays the mental gymnastics now. He's almost overly analytical at times. Like, you know, like he goes to bed at night. And again, I'm not kidding. Like, it's not just his performance. There'll be sometimes like LeBron will play in the NBA finals and like he won't say anything. But you can tell he's been thinking about it all night long. And he'll wake up in the morning and he'll be like, Dad, LeBron, you know, it's like the first thing, not even good morning. Not can I have Cheerios, not anything. It's like LeBron. It's like, have you been thinking about this? For hours? Yeah. Like, did you sleep last night? And uh, he uh, he definitely is that. But uh, he's fun like that, too, because he really knows the game well. I mean, that's really – he's 90 pounds. He gives up uh, everything in terms of height, weight, and strength. But he's uh, he, he gains some of it back with uh, the IQ, which is kind of fun. I love it, uh, man. Because I love that part of the game. You know, I love talking the game. I love watching the game. 
And I love when we, like even at this age, play the game the right way and kind of do all those little things. Uh, and and so it's fun to, to see him do it most of the time. He doesn't do it all the time. Yeah. But uh, that's what this ball's a little bit for right. too is make some mistakes and learn. So, so Brent, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick then. Let's say Ty hits a home run, okay? And I'm yep. sure he's done it before. Let's say that he goes with a bat flip. When, <laughs> when he gets to home plate and he's walking back to the dugout, and you're in the stands right behind the dugout, do you say anything to him? And if you do, what do you tell him? Uh, nah, I wouldn't say anything. By the way, he's hit one home run. That was in Cooperstown. Okay. And if he wanted to throw the bat into the outfield, I would have been okay. <laughs> uh, because I had no idea. I didn't think he could hit it and do it. And yeah. uh, so... And I don't think we have to worry about the home runs for a little bit longer. He ain't getting anything out of these big fields. Sure. We call anything out like 10 feet on the outfield is a home run. <laughs> so uh, we, we have our own little rules. But uh, to your point, I, I, I'm i okay with the bat flipping stuff. Uh, okay. I, I More important is, like, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan, especially at this age, any kind of staring down or we have had to tell Ty because he, he does bunt on occasion and he just didn't know it. This might have been a couple years ago. Like when you're up nine to one or something, you don't bunt. You know, you don't do that. Yeah, I, um, I learned that in high school the hard way, too. Nobody had ever told me that. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but you just take your swings, man. And even though it's part of your game and every at bat, you might try to do what you can to get on base at nine to one. You're swinging away, sure. you know, so. Uh, you know, there are little things like that where where you have those conversations and you live and learn. Now, Kaylee, on the other hand, I'm waiting for her to hit it out. See, because Kaylee has all this raw strength. She is strong. Okay. And she does not get all of the power out of her. Like, we're fighting to get all the power out of her swing. Mm-hmm. And she has, like, uh, I'm telling you, she, she has a ceiling that I think is could be pretty high. She's just not tapping it out just yet. Uh, and she works hard. She's a really good player, I think. Um, but I think she could be even better. And I know she can hit it even further. We just had kind of a practice session before, and it was a 200-foot fence, which is about typical for softball. And she hit the fence a couple of times, like hit the base of it. Damn. And I'm like, Kaylee, if you can just get a little more extension, you can get it out of there. Yeah. But I've told her, I'm like, Kaylee, when you hit that home run, uh, when you cross the plate, I want you to point at me and say, that's for you, Dad. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, of course, man. Yeah, you throw yourself in there a little bit. I mean, let's be honest, man. You've taken shots trying to when when, when you were playing catcher for her and everything. She's throwing the softballs at you. you you've, you've taken your injuries and you've paid your dues. So a little shout out at the end of a little home run trot is the least she can do for you. Yeah, I wanted to. I, I tell her. I just joke with her about it because she thinks it's funny when we joke about it. Sure. But like we never did that with Ty. We never joke because we never even considered home run territory <laughs> it's, it's, with it's Ty. Not an option. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> it's really just not even a thought. It's like, and so, uh, so it is kind of funny with the kids uh, th- that you have that. I Man, it's just so much fun watching the kids play ball. We talked about it a little bit last week. So hopefully, uh, whatever the kids are doing, hopefully you enjoy it, and and we're kind of here for the ride and enjoying it too. Um, we're in the web. You get in this web, I'm not, and we're in like the travel ball web, and there are good things about it, and there are bad things about it, and I understand there are people listening that have gone through it, there are people going through it right now, and you know what I'm talking about, and there are other people that haven't gone through it, kind of like your age, like Kuz's age, and they're so critical of it, mm-hmm. and all I have to say is, wait until you get here. Yeah. Wait until you get here, because you'll be critical of it, but you'll be doing half the things you're critical of. So, uh, just, uh, but... I just like watching ball. I don't care. And this is good ball. There's a lot of good players out here uh, at this age, which which is kind of cool, too. So uh, having some fun with it. Hey, 
finish up a show today, we talked a lot about the NFL players. And I wanted to talk uh, about Derrick Henry a little bit. Yeah. His ex- he, It doesn't look like he's getting extended unless something's come out recently. But everything I've seen is like, nah, it doesn't look like it's going to happen out of Nashville. Are you surprised? Given what he's done now and where he's blossomed uh, in his career, especially last year during the second half of the regular season and the playoffs, that the Titans haven't gone long term with Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, am I surprised? No. Um should he be rewarded? I mean, you know, nine times out of ten, I take the player's side. I absolutely think that guy deserves a new contract for just how much he was able to do for that team last year. But it just goes to show you on the hierarchy of importance, Brent, where the running back stands compared to the quarterback, okay? You have a guy in Ryan Tannehill who spent time in Miami. He's had, I would say, probably a mediocre career at best at Miami. Comes to Tennessee. Strings together, you know, like five, six, seven great games, takes them to the playoffs. But let's be honest. The real reason why the Tennessee Titans had their success last year was on the shoulders of Derrick Henry. And after the season was over, there was not even a blink of the eye, not even hesitation of Ryan Tannehill getting a new contract before Derrick Henry. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the way the league works. So with that being said, I understand the, you know, the life expectancy of running backs in the NFL. It's minimal at best. And even back in college, there was question marks and red flags about Derrick Henry getting too much of the lion's share in the backfield in terms of toting the rock. But he hasn't proved us wrong yet, right? I mean, he's been pretty healthy for his entire career. And he kind of, I think, broke on the scene last year a little bit. I think he plays under the tag this year. If he has another stellar season, you can't deny him anymore. You have to pay him his money, which he's rightfully due. And the question is, is it fair to wonder if he's only going to get better? And you say, well, come on, Brent. He can't get better than he was last year. Well, I'm going to give you his career path, okay? The Uly High School Hornet to Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner, national champ, all those things. Here's what he's done in his four years in Tennessee. 110 rushes, 490 yards, five touchdowns. That's four and a half yards a tote. Mm. The next season, 176 yard, uh, carries, 744 yards. So about 250 more yards, 60 more carries, 4.2. Actually, his yards per attempt went down a little bit. 2018, they say, hey, you know, we got to give it to him a little bit more. 215 carries, 1,000-yard season, 12 touchdowns. Now, more than double his previous high. And he's averaging 4.9 yards a tote, and I would thank the Jacksonville Jaguars for a lot of those numbers. (laughs) In 2019 now, so here's where he's gone. 110 rushes, 176, 215, 303 carries last year. He's gone 490, 744, 1,059 in terms of yards, 1,540 yards. Mm. And then in touchdowns, 5, 5, 12. 16 touchdowns last year and over five yards per attempt. Has he reached his ceiling, Austin? Man, you know, I mean, when you you put it to me like that, it's hard to say that he has, right? I just know this, though. And listen, I don't wish any injury on Derrick Henry, especially kind of being a – I mean, he's not really – you can call him a Jacksonville guy if you want. 
But um, I don't wish injury to anybody, man. But in terms of the life expectancy of a running back, it happens in the blink of an eye. And all of a sudden, you're Todd Gurley. You're taking your team to the Super Bowl and everything like that. You're, you're having a, an all-pro year. And also, you get hurt a little bit in the next season. You completely fall by the wayside. You know, there's other positions, Brent, in the NFL, linebackers, edge rushers, corners, where, you know, maybe you get nicked here or there, maybe you have a bad year, you have an injury, but you can reinvent yourself. You, you can reinvent the way you play, come back, and be better than ever. But for whatever reason, the running back position does not allow you to do that. As soon as that tread on those tires is worn out, you're just a shell of yourself. Now, not to say Derrick Henry is going to be a shell of himself next year because I still think he's got a lot left in the tank, and I agree with you. In terms of those stats, he might have even a better year this up-and-coming season, but I'm just saying in terms of offering that running back that long-term deal, man, you're always going to be hesitant because once it goes south, it goes south real quick. Yeah, and and I get that, uh, but keep in mind, if you give people four-year contracts, it's usually a two-year deal of some sorts. Uh, to reward him for what he did last year, you know, I, I just think, let's, I understand the business side of it. And I don't necessarily side with teams, but I understand where they come from sometimes. But I think we're also got to be a little careful we're not contradictory when we talk about, well, look what this player's done. Look what this player's done. Hey, they want to keep this player. If they want to keep this player, they can play this player. Those are the conversations we've had around Jan, around Chris Jones, around now Miles Garrett that happens today, yeah. around Dak Prescott. Well, they want to keep Derrick Henry. Look what he just did. Well, pay him then, right? I mean, no, that falls listen. in line with that. Then pay him then if it falls in line with it. Heck, even if he drops back a little bit production-wise, you're still going to get a pretty darn good season and probably the value you pay. Listen, I'm all for paying Derrick Henry. Don't get it twisted. I want to see that guy get paid because at the end of the day, you got Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you got... Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, and Derrick Henry, the Tennessee Titans. Those three guys are the identities of their team. I always preach about it, Brent. I preach culture. I preach identity. As soon as you know who you are as a team, that's where you can start being successful. The Tennessee Titans, their identity is directly correlated to Derrick Henry. It's not correlated to Ryan Tannehill. It's not correlated to A.J. Brown. Now, it's correlated to a good defense, but their identity is based off of Derrick Henry, just like the identity of the Kansas City Chiefs is based off of Patrick Mahomes. So with that being said, you absolutely should pay that man. All right, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, unless you've seen this already. And by the way, I don't even, heck, you might have even talked about it when I ducked out yesterday. Did you see the running back rankings by Maurice? Uh, no, we haven't. I've talked about it yet, so it's, it's a good topic. Okay, uh, Maurice Jones, Drew. Where do you think Henry fits on Mojo's list? <sighs> and who do you think's number one on his list? I mean, to be fair, oh, so I think Chris McCaffrey's number one. Um, he where, is. Where does Derrick Henry fit? You know, I think Mojo's got respect for Derrick Henry. You know, he's, he's a power runner. Uh, Mojo had a little bit of that in himself. So I'm going to say Derrick Henry's going to be ranked. Yeah, Alvin Kamara out there. You got Saquon. You got Ezekiel. I'm going to say Derrick Henry's going to be fifth. Hey, not a bad guess. He's number seven on oh, Mojo's man. list. Okay. I think there are a couple of surprises on Mojo's list. Number two is not a surprise. Ezekiel Elliott. Sure. Number three, I know he's had a good year, monster year, but don't we need to see a little bit more from Nick Chubb? Ooh, yeah. Um, definitely under the radar, right a little bit. I need to see more. Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, now we Delvin did have a Cook, monster I'm sure year. Is up there too. I mean, yeah, put Delvin Cook up there, right? Well, Alvin Kamara is next at yep. number four. Uh, here's a guy that's underrated, 
And really, if you talk about gambles you can take, and sometimes they don't pay off and those make the headlines, but why don't we talk about the gambles you take and sometimes they do pay off? Okay. Well, how about Joe Mixon in Cincinnati? Oof. Mixon's had a really good career for the Bengals, and how, they haven't had any problems with him, I don't believe. That's, you know, that's a good call. Um, you know, obviously his numbers may be comparable, you know, to like the tier two, tier three guys, but you have to think of the team that he plays on as well. I think if you put Joe Mixon on any team, he immediately makes them better. I probably wouldn't put him in the top five, but I can kind of see where Mojo's coming from a little bit. Well, and he should help Joe Burrow out quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Saquon Barkley, surprisingly not in the top five of Mojo's list. I think he would make the top five in most I'd lists. probably put him top three, Brent, to tell you the truth, man. What that guy's yeah. been able to do, I mean, he's a human highlight reel. And at any time, probably more than any player in the NFL right now, maybe even Christian McCaffrey, that guy is capable of breaking a, 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 you know, a 99-yard touchdown any time that he wants. Derrick Henry, number seven. Dalvin Cook, there's your guy, number huh. eight. Josh Jacobs getting a lot of love at number nine. How about a lot of love for Aaron Jones making the top ten? Wow. And, and by the way, very productive. Very productive. Very productive. And, and they Go ahead. And a Christian McCaffrey type in a way. He I mean, is he's dangerous out of the backfield. Well, and uh, that, receiving. And that's the thing, right? Because Green Bay was devastated at the wide receiver position. Enter Aaron Jones, who became more of their wide receiver threat. The whole 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 reason Aaron Jones became kind of a household name was because Green Bay had to pass the ball to somebody. Enter Aaron Jones. So is Aaron Jones that three down back? I mean, you know, they, they can kind of spell him here or there now. But in terms of catching the ball. He's one of the best to do it, and, and the NFL has showed these days that when you have a catching receiver, kind of like a Chris Thompson in Jacksonville, you can, that can make all the difference in the world. All right, 11 to 20, somewhere Fournette's in there. Where is he? Oh, man. Uh, let's go 14. Oh, not bad, 13. Okay. Uh, it was uh, uh, Kenyon Drake, 11, Austin Eckler, 12, Leonard Fournette, 13, Ingram, 14. Chris Carson, 15, Devin Singletary, Marlon Mack, Damian Williams, Todd Gurley all the way down at 19, Le'Veon Bell at 20. We'll see if those guys can have bounce-back years. Uh, once again, want to remind you about uh, Carathon 2020, uh, brought to you by uh, Duval Asphalt. You can check it out on ESPN690.com, how you can get involved, or text the donation, text the word FOREVER to 41444. We appreciate all your support, and we can do that all week long. We'll continue to remind you about the Child Cancer Fund. All right, man, a lot of fun today here on the show. We'll do it again tomorrow, Austin Lane. We'll see you there, man. Sounds good. All right, thanks for hanging with us. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 from Jacksonville to Hoover, Alabama. We'll see you tomorrow.